0: Good morning, everyone. I am the uh, the uh, pitch hitter or pinch hitter this morning for Mr. Anderson, for Bob. I found out late last afternoon, yesterday afternoon, so uh, we're going to be looking at a psalm this morning. So we're taking a step away from the Gospels to look at Psalm 147 together. And the theme of the song that we're going to look at, uh, the, the title I've given it is Why Sing? You know, why do Christians sing? Uh, we had some prayer requests this morning. We had some thanksgivings, but there are also griefs, there are sorrows. How is it uh, that Christians can sing, even sing through tears? There are many of us have been at funerals, maybe in the past year, and we've sung together. We sung with dear believers, we sung with family members through tears, but we sung. And sometimes those times of singing through tears are even sweet in the midst of sorrow. Uh, And there's beauty there. And this psalm uh, gives us great reasons why sing. So let's turn to that together. Uh, We'll read the psalm, and then we're going to walk through it. It is 20 verses. I'm going to try to hold this to about 30 minutes or so, 35 minutes, so we have plenty of time to get to those of us around the 11 o'clock service, to get to the service. So we won't go super in-depth on everything, uh, but we will certainly take a look at the whole psalm. So Psalm 147, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcasts of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars, he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power, his understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble, he casts the wicked to the ground. In those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes the wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Well, let's look at this psalm then and Think about the answer to the question, why sing? Well, in verse 1, we have this imperative given to us, this call for us to sing. So one of the reasons why sing is certainly because the Lord, the God, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, has created us to praise him, and he calls us to praise him. And so these uh, opening words, verse 1, praise the Lord, it's an imperative It's a call to action. Uh, It's a call to engage with our hearts, with our minds, with our whole being in worship. In worship, that is verbal. Uh, That's an expression. It's a communication of words, of language. And uh, these opening words immediately show us who this praise and this worship is to be directed to. Praise the Lord. It's to the Lord. Well, the old, first Old Testament believers to receive, to hear the words of this psalm would immediately have known what this meant. The Lord, it's Yahweh, uh, the covenant God, he's the one who's created all things, sustains all things, God of great covenant mercy, the one who is the God of steadfast love, who's infinite, eternal, and unchanging in all of his attributes. Now they would know to some degree already here in the Old Testament that this Lord is the one who dwells with his people and who makes atonement for the sins of his people. All the sacrifices that were pointing forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as this psalm begins with this uh, shout, with this call, praise the Lord, it goes on now in verse 1 to tell us, How to praise the Lord and why to praise the Lord. Look with me to the rest of verse 1. It says, For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Well, there are many ways that we can bring praise to the Lord. Uh, Countless ways we can bring praise to the Lord. You know, it it could be uh, taking out the garbage. Uh, bringing it to the street, just doing so with gratitude to God, with thankfulness for his provisions, uh, loving him. Uh, it could be uh, just living in the home with a cheerful spirit, uh, loving our husband or wife, or grandchildren, uh, uh, with with gratitude, with kindness, uh, Being faithful in the ordinary stuff of life praises God. It's a way to praise God. But the emphasis again here is how to praise the Lord in this psalm is is vocally. It's good to sing, he says, and then later on he says in the same line, a song of praise is fitting. And so this call, God has created us for worship that is communicative. Uses the voices he's created us, you know, we're different from uh, his other creatures. It's true, birds sing and they sing praise to God, they make melody marvelously. They get whales in the ocean, make sounds and noises, and that brings praise to God. But people are able to communicate with each other in a much different way, an incredibly rich way communication and language and we've been created by God to be able to speak to him and to have him speak to us and of course that's uh, revealed throughout the scriptures God meeting with his people speaking to them revealing himself to them in and through our Lord Jesus Christ in our very own flesh Jesus speaks he's the word incarnate And God has created us then as well to speak to him, this marvelous union of communication, and here in singing, singing delightedly. Well, the psalmist gives three great reasons why in this opening verse. Why should we do it? Well, first, it's an inherently good thing to do. It's good. It really is good to sing praise to God. Again, thank you just the opening comments I was making about singing at a funeral. <clears throat> like just uh, back in January, I was at my little nephew's funeral. And my sister and her husband and her other little children were there at the graveside, And we're singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Through tears, uh, just hearts grieving and aching a great mystery in the Lord's providence. And yet singing, seeing my sister singing praise to God through her tears was just, it was marvelous. It it was beautiful. That, That in the midst of that agony, there's faith in the Lord, trust in the Lord. It is good to sing. And it was good for our souls that afternoon to sing. That song through our tears of praise to God. We knew it was good, and it's good regardless of our musical ability. You know, whether we sing well or not, some of us have incredible voices and are well trained, but others of us, uh, we do our best. But the Lord says, regardless, it is good. Whatever the sound quality that comes out, the Lord is pleased. It's good. And so if we want to do something good this afternoon, uh, if we want to do something good when we're driving by ourselves, well, the Lord says it's good to sing. And if uh, we're working out in the yard by ourselves, we just uh, humming a little bit or singing singing praise to him, it's a good thing. It's something we can know it's good to do. And uh, secondly, the psalmist tells us it's pleasant. Uh, and it, it is pleasant. You know, as we do this, you know, whether we're feeling cheerful and happy, we're glad about something wonderful to praise God. Uh, when we're weary and tired and just worn out, we sing maybe sometimes a lament. Uh, it's a bit of a melancholy song, but the Lord has said inspired psalms of lament, but that are still Godward. And we sing... And even in that, there is a pleasantness. If we're feeling spiritually dead and just dull, singing can help revive our hearts. As a family, if we sing together in our home, uh, or we have, uh, maybe our children are out of the home, but they come and visit, and we encourage some singing together. It's a marvelous thing. We come to this pleasant and good place of communion with God. Well, 30 says it's entirely appropriate It's fitting to sing. Oh, it's it's entirely appropriate because God is worthy of our praise. We belong to him and what he's done for us in giving his own dear son, giving us life, creating us in his image and then taking us out of our darkness and rebellion and all our wickedness and then all of our sins along the way in the Christian life. How gracious he is in cleansing and forgiving, reviving us over and over again, oh, it is so appropriate for us to sing. And the psalmist is going to expand on these three things. You know, that It's good, it's pleasant, it's appropriate, it's fitting to sing through the remainder of this psalm. The psalm really comes in three sections. And what he'll do is he'll, he'll prove some reasons, give us some reasons why sing, and then he's going to repeat the call to sing. Verse 7, you see the next section. He'll start with sing again. And then verse 12, the third section, praise, praise, again, calls to sing. So the psalm comes in three sections. This is the first section, uh, verses 1 through 6. And so uh, what are some further reasons here in this opening section? Why, it's good, it's pleasant, it's appropriate, it's fitting to sing. Well, verse 2... Uh, the psalmist tells us. Uh, here's a first reason why: because the Lord builds up Jerusalem, gathers the outcasts of Israel, He heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. But most Bible commentators, as they look at this psalm, its place in the Book of Psalms, uh, its its history, its, uh, some of the the cross cross references in the scriptures here. Uh, they believe that it was written likely just after the return from exile, so the days of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. This is one of the later Psalms. Uh, The people were suffering tremendously at this time, come back uh, out of being forced to live in another country for decades. Uh, Can you imagine? Uh, Some of us have moved from other places, but some of us have been native to where we are, but regardless, if... If we'd been forced to live in another country for decades, uh, we came back much older, and we come back to our home with children who had never lived there, maybe grandchildren, and it's all in ruins. If we came back to Greenville, 50 years from now, we'd been exiled. The church was in ruins. Our properties were in ruins. There'd been war, there'd been devastation. Uh, and the people living in the area were actually hostile to us. Well, this was the context of the people coming back uh, where there's this call to worship and to praise God. The Lord had delivered them. He brought them back from exile. Uh, But they had this awareness that uh, these troubles had come in part because of their own sin, the sin of the people of God, and uh, that things were The Lord was being merciful, but they were small in number and there was so much to do. You think of Ezra, the dedication of the foundation of the temple rebuilding. Uh, There's this worship service. They're beginning to rebuild the temple, which is likely about the time of this song, And they hold this service. And what happens in that service? Oh, the people are singing. But as the older generation is singing, there are tears running down their cheeks. Because they remember the way things once were. And they're thankful, but they know it's a long ways from what it once was. Well, that context of the psalm uh, is relevant for us as well, isn't it? We're a pilgrim people. Uh, We have not faced in in our lives uh, the kinds of devastations that the people of Israel went through at this time. But but we see sin and weakness, and we grieve what we see in our culture and the world around us. Uh, uh, We we weep over those things, and so we also need to hear these strong and tender words. Uh, The Lord is the one who builds up Jerusalem, gathers the outcasts, he heals the brokenhearted, he binds up their wounds. This is what the Lord is doing generation by generation in his church. Gathered us in, Uh, He's building up his church. He continues to do so. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Uh, Jesus said no one is going to snatch my lambs out of my hands. I will keep them. And he's continuing his work. And uh, that's what he's doing today. And he binds up our wounds. Isn't this true again? As we think of our own griefs in life Uh, They are still there, some of them, and they will be uh, until we enter heavenly glory, but he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and he does give us renewed seasons of comfort and joy, even along this earthly pilgrimage, particularly in his house. As we come together into worship, as we hear his word, we are ministered to by him. Well, the psalmist moves from that now to give another reason. And this other reason, he jumps in a sense. He's, he's looking at what the Lord's doing here in the midst of his church. And he looks up to the sky, verse 4. You know, the God who is graciously working here in our midst is also the God who's the creator of the universe. Verse 4, he determines the number of the stars he gives to all of them their names. When I first studied this passage some time ago, uh, I did a little bit of research here, just thinking about this. And I'm no astronomer, but just from what I could find on the internet, uh, there are—it's guessed—there are 200 to 400 million stars just in the Milky Way galaxy. That's 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 science, uh, sort of, you know, trying to extrapolate and guess. And then they, the, the guess is that there are potentially at least another 100 billion galaxies in the universe. So if at this galaxy it's 200 to 400 million stars and then there's 100 billion more galaxies. And that's just our best guess as finite people in the midst of the vastness of God's creation. How how many stars has man named at this point? Well, we've named, sort of numbered, they don't even all have names, most of them just have numbers, Uh, hundreds and two thousands of stars and constellations, groups, it's really nothing. What we've named and numbered uh, is nothing compared to what is there. And he has determined their number. He knows exactly how many there are, just like he knows exactly how many hairs are left on our heads. And uh, he knows each one of them. He has a name for each one of those stars. And this, I think the psalmist, uh, by the Spirit of God, is giving not only as the glory and majesty of God and his power, his complete knowledge of all things, but also as a comfort to God's people. He knows all of that out there. Oh, he knows us. He knows us perfectly. And so the psalmist says, great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And then he thinking of the Lord's work again in the beginning that he mentioned in his gathering of Jerusalem. He says, the Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. He's just. He does care for his people. Are there mysteries? Oh, there are mysteries like this week uh, of the great grief of little ones, of the persecution of the church and nations, where God's people... uh, are called to go into sufferings, even to death. But yet we know precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And he does lift up the humble. He brings them into his glorious presence in heaven. And he does cast the wicked to the ground. Well, there is one section of the psalm uh, in terms of this call to praise. These are reasons to sing God's praise with Reverence with awe, with thankfulness, with love, and to be able to swing out and trust in Him in the midst of the uncertainties of this world, knowing that He is God overall. Well, the psalmist repeats the call in verse 7 now Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. Uh, Here the call again is to sing verbally, to use our voices, to sing to him. And now the psalmist adds, with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Oh, to give thanks to the Lord. And as well, the psalmist says, to do so with music. This is musical. Uh, With song, with instruments. Uh, The lyre here (coughs) is a stringed instrument. Uh, Somewhere between uh, a harp and a guitar. And, and so this uh, musical song and singing, you know, this is something in a way unique about the history of the church from the Old Testament through the New is, is the music, the singing of God's people. Well, there's cultural singing, the non-Christians, right? People do sing songs. But the singing, the constancy of singing and the contexts in which believers sing Uh, It really sets Christians apart in this world. Uh, The way we sing, what we sing about. And here with thankfulness, Christians are set apart in this world because they sing with gratitude to the Lord. Uh, It could be singing that is singing for the sake of entertainment or for the sake of enjoyment. That just ends there. But this has a telos, it has an end in praise to God himself. Well, what are the second set of reasons here in the psalm that the psalmist gives for us again to sing? Well, he starts this time in creation. It's God who covers the heavens with clouds. And the psalms, and uh, it's not long ago, in preaching on Psalm 36, it has similar reference The Lord wants us to look out the window and as we see his creation, as we have the Psalms in our hearts to see and to remember that these things are all evidences of who he is. He's the one who covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. It's God who gives the rain in its place. Again, think of Elijah, a righteous man, but a man like us. Uh, He prayed to God and there was drought for a time under Ahab and Jezebel and he prayed again. Look at that little cloud uh, that appeared on the horizon and the rain came again. God is the one who gives the rain and hears the prayers of his people. He makes grass grow on the hills. We're seeing that right now, springtime. Grass is getting green again. Uh, Even the Bermuda grass come from the north and yellow lawns that stay yellow and uh, all winter long. But then they start, there's this greenness coming through again. And uh, before you know it, they will be green. And and that greenness will hang on through the summer, even through dry times. Uh, He gives to the beasts their food, to the animals, even to the ravens, to the scavengers, the vultures, the ravens. And God cares for all of his creatures. Creatures in his creation. Even as he does, and he's the great provider of everything, uh, the psalmist reminds us that God's delight is not in the first place in the strength of the things he's created, whether it's in horses or here in men, a picture of uh, strength in, in racing or athletics. But the Lord takes pleasure in what? Where is God's great delight? as he looks over all of his beautiful creation, his great delight is in those who fear him. God is, is happy. The Father is delighted. The Son is delighted. The Holy Spirit is delighted in us as his children. It's hard to believe when we consider our own sin, our own foolishness, but he is the Father. So loved the world, he gave his only Son. Read in Hebrews that uh, Jesus, there speaking by the Spirit through the Apostle, who writes Hebrews and all the Old Testament quotes there about how it's his joy, his joy uh, to come together with his children in the presence of God. His delight in them. Oh, God takes pleasure. There is great delight and happiness in our triune God, in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. And this is one of the great beauties of the Christian song through tears. Is that God sees his children hoping, trusting, even in the face of death itself in his steadfast love. And how can they do so? By his supernatural grace at work in them. And there is an incredible testimony there, and the Lord is delighted in it. And so, great encouragement for us to sing this morning. As we fear him, as we trust in him, (coughs) well, God, as we sing to him, he's delighted. You know, Zephaniah 3 is jumping to another part of the scriptures, but Zephaniah chapter 3 tells us that even as we sing, our God is singing over us. Read Zephaniah 3 later on today, and, and you'll see there, He delights to sing over us. Uh, you may know, have picture, the only earthly picture I can think of is uh, you know, a young mom holding her baby. Singing over her little baby in her arms, singing praise to God, singing with love for this little one. It's God singing over us. Well, the uh, third call we see in verse 12 Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion. And here the call is to the whole church, as Jerusalem, O Zion. It's, the call for the church to gather together to sing praise to God, and again, He gives us many reasons in these remaining verses. I will go a little quick, more quickly here as our, as our time is starting to ebb away. What are some of the reasons? Well, verse thirteen: He strengthens the bars of your gates. Well, it's a reminder there that uh, in, in the days of the return from exile, and the days before that, and the days after, they lived with crime. Uh, they, they had societal problems that they had to live through as well. And the Lord's reminder there to them is, it, it's, it's not the bars of your gates that are protecting you. That's a good reminder for us as well. It's, uh, it's not us keeping our powder dry that's protecting us. Who is it that protects the Lord's people? Even though it's legitimate to have gates and security cameras or whatever, um, they're good things. But it's the Lord who strengthens them. He is our protector. He's the one as well. So it moves from the gates. just like it's moving into the dwelling place, into the home. God is not only the one who protects his people and only allows the sufferings and evils to befall them that he appoints, again, in the mystery of his wisdom and love. The only thing that's going to get through those gates is what? The Lord allows to get through those gates. And he is the one who blesses your children within you. His covenant mercies. Oh, there's children. There's children here at Second. They are blessed. They're growing up under the gospel. They're growing up in the midst of the singing of God's people. Singing with joy, singing with thankfulness, singing through tears. They're seeing this. They're hearing the voice of God. They're hearing his word. They're surrounded by the riches of his grace. And we pray earnestly they'll take hold of them that, that rich gospel by his grace. Well, God as well is the one who gives peace within our borders. And we all woke up this morning. We are living in a season of peace. How do we know again, that's what the psalm is saying here. This is, this is a post-exile psalm. They're singing this after the Lord has allowed war to come. But He's also the one who's given peace, and they're giving thanks for that peace. And acknowledging that God is the one who gives those seasons as well, and He fills you with the finest of wheat. I don't know what you all had for breakfast this morning uh, perhaps some of it was made with the finest of wheat, King Arthur flour, or whatever. Uh, uh, Just the the riches. God has given us all abundance. And so reason to praise him. As we look within our homes, we look at our pantries. And we go to the grocery store. The Lord has loaded us with goodness in his kindness. And then back to his creation. Verses 15 through 18. Someone who grew up as a boy in Canada. And then lived in Michigan. Uh, For the last 12 years, I can understand these verses well. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters for frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? I know y'all have it here as well at times. Apparently not this, this last winter. We had a good snow. Um, But uh, when that icy wind comes and uh, up north, it's so cold that when you breathe in, your lungs hurt and uh, you feel the skin on your face is going to freeze quickly. If you stay out too long, Uh, don't wrap a scarf over your face. Uh, The intensity of cold is also something that God has created and it declares his glory. There's great beauty in the snow. Uh, every snowflake unique it's an incredible mystery uh, every single snowflake scientists have never found two alike it 's incredible. We think of the countless numbers in that, and each one under a microscope is so beautiful. He makes then as his word goes out again, he melts them, uh, his winds blow, the waters flow, the ice melts streams begin to run again. Springtime comes. And why? Because God is actively reigning over his creation. He didn't just set it into motion and step back and let it go. No, he's actively watching over all of these things. While the closing words of the psalm, why sing? Well, because he's given us his word. There's his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He's not dealt in this way with any other nation. They do not know his rules. We are here this morning by the grace of God. And this is what the psalmist is telling the people of God here. We've received his word. And just as there were nations at the time of Israel who had not, not yet, heard his word, who are still living in darkness. Here we are. There are many people in Greenville this morning who aren't here. We not in any church. Why us? We are no better than man. The Lord's mercies. Oh, let us give him thanks. And so the psalmist ends. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we do praise you. And we pray that as we've had the privilege to just quickly walk through this psalm, we pray, Lord, that you would stir up in our hearts greater love for you, greater praise for you. Help us to sing to you with love and with thankfulness. Oh Lord, whether it is through a hard providence that is yet a mystery to us. Oh Lord, whether it's with tears, but yet with trust. We pray, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with a growing love for you and a growing peace and faith and rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.